Welcome to Triumphant's Podcast with Pastor Tanya, preaching on the Word of God. Today's podcast, the pastor will start a series entitled, It's Your Season. Thank you, Lord God. Genesis chapter 8 and verse 22. Thank God for the presence of Pastor T.L. with us in the building this morning. Amen. And Sister Mabel, so good to see them. Reading from the ESV translation of the Bible, Genesis chapter 8 and verse 22. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. I'm going to read it one more time. While the earth remains, as long as we are here, there's going to be seed time and harvest. There's going to be cold and heat. There's going to be summer and winter. There's going to be day and night. As long as we are in this body, I'm sorry, one more. There will, the, as long as we are here, there's going to be seed time and harvest. There's going to be cold and heat. Summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. Sometimes we got to learn just to praise God off his word alone. One more scripture. Turn with me to Acts. chapter thirteen and verse twenty two and when he had removed him meaning Saul he raised up David to be their king of whom he testified and said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. I'm going to read that same passage if you would indulge me from the Message Bible. After Saul had ruled for 40 years, God removed him from office and put King David in his place with this commendation. I've searched the land and found this David, son of Jesse. He's a man whose heart beats to my heart. A man who will do what I tell him to do. It's your season. It's your season. It's your season. Here in in this kind of day, as pastor parents said, even when he greeted us this morning, he said, it's hot. And it's days like this that make us aware of seasons. <laughs> Because I do believe it was just a few short weeks ago yeah. 
that we had that little cold spurt and we turned the heat back on. And now here we are, just a few weeks later, and nobody would dare. Even if you want them people that stay cold all the time, nobody today is turning on heat anywhere. And, and it's a reminder of us that seasons change. They, they change, and it should be a comfort to us because no matter what season you're in, seasons, seasons change. They do. Now, see, here in, in church world, and I say church world, because if, if, you are, if you're new to church, there's a whole church language that, that sometimes the, the outsider is not familiar with. I call it churchese. That we just know. If you've been in church, you just know. How you doing? In the regular world, you say, fine. At church, you say, I'm blessed and I'm highly favored. That's churchese. We have our own, we have our own language. And, and so... When we think of, of seasons in, 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 in the church world, it's, it's a shouting time because it's a, it's a new season. And, and, and we, 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 we talk about the, one of my, I say one of my favorite fallout songs is it's a new season. It's a new day. It's, it's, a, it's a fresh anointing coming my way. Y'all know y'all got songs you just, it doesn't take much for you to get. That's one of my fallout songs. It's a new season. If I could sing like Pastor Perry and I'd sing it for you, but y'all don't want me to do that this morning. It's a new season. You got fresh anointing coming my way. It's a season of power and prosperity. That, that, that's, that's a good news. That's a, a good message. But when we are in, in trying times and, and challenging days, we will often say in churches, I'm waiting on my season. I'm waiting for my season to come. I'm waiting for my breakthrough. I'm waiting on my season. But I, I want to tell you something this morning. It's your season. Now, now, here's the thing before you get excited. It's always your season. <laughs> it's always your season. It, it just may be that this is not a season of power and prosperity. It may be a season of pain and press. It, it may not be a season of rejoicing and revelation. It may be a season of weeping and lamenting. It may not be a season of growth and goodness. It may be a season of making hard decisions and making new determinations for your life. But regardless, it's still your season. We have to understand that every season has its purpose. I said every season has its purpose. So you don't have to wait on your season. It is your season. The reality is we have to tap into the spirit of God to such a way that we understand what season we're in. Because if I came out of the house this morning, somebody stay with me, with a coat on, somebody would have said, she doesn't know what, what season it is. If, if I, even if I came out of the house this morning with an umbrella and I was, I was, I was, I was bundled up and, and ready with my, my raincoat on, someone said, she doesn't, she hasn't looked at the forecast. She doesn't understand what, what season it is. The same thing can happen to us spiritually. If we are not tapped into the heart 
and mind of God. We will think that that God is not for us. We will think that God is, is not on our side. We will think that God is not hearing our prayers. We will think that God is trying to undo us. The reality is we just need to realize what season we're in. Now, here's the thing that I want us to understand about your season. Three things, and these are my three points, so don't, don't, don't get excited. I'm not even there yet. But there's still three things I want you to know about your season. One, it's your season. So you don't have to wait on a season. You don't have to wait. This is your season. The second, he's the Lord of your season. I don't care if it's a, a good season. or He's the Lord of your season. He's not just present in your season. See, we, we get that God is present in our season, but he is a Lord of this season. That means he's in charge of this season. He's in control of this season. He sees your tears in this season. He sees your frustration in this season. He is not undone in this season of your life. He is still in control. He is still in charge that he is as much a God of the mountain as he is a God of the valley. He is a Lord of this season. See, I mean, even that okay, he is a Lord of this season. That's why so many of us are waiting for a different season because we can't see his goodness in this season. But he's here. With a negative balance in your account, he's still here. With tears falling down your eyes, he's still Lord of this season. With your heart broken, he's a Lord of this season. With confusion and indecisiveness, he's a Lord of this season. When you're trying to figure out where he is, he says, I'm right here in this season. One, it's your season. Two, he's the Lord of this season. And even though this ain't a good season, or it may not be, it may be, he's going to get the glory out of it. Those are the three things I want you to keep in mind. It's your season. He's the Lord of this season, and he's going to get the glory out of this season. It's your season. He's the Lord of this season, and he's going to get the glory out of this season. This is what we're going to do. Since y'all stuck with me for a few months, today we are going to begin a series of sermons called It's Your Season. And, and, and here's the thing. We're going to look at one of my favorite I call him a Sunday school Bible character. Because there's characters in the Bible, like Mephibosheth, that you got to be saved for a long time to know who he is. You got to know who Mephibosheth is. That means you, you'd, have, you'd have been here a little bit. But if you, if you just got saved yesterday, you know what? Even if you're not saved, you know who David is. If you don't know nothing else but David and Goliath, you know David. So I figured, you know, since we still get to know each other, I had to come with somebody y'all all know so y'all know I didn't make him up. Okay, so we, so we, can, we can build this trust and, and get to know each other a little bit better. But we're we going to spend some weeks looking at, at David's life. And why David? Because if there's anybody else who went through the seasons of life, it was David. If David knew what it was like to be at his lowest, and he knew what it was like to be at life's highest. 
He knew what it was like to be adored and love. Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his, his ten thousands. He knew what it was like to be adored and worshipped. He also knew what it was like to be chased and almost killed. He knew what it was like to experience the presence and peace of God, and he knew sin and failure and rejection. He knew the company of thousands, and then he also knew what it was like to be all by himself in the valley of Ziglag, so much so that he had to encourage himself in the Lord. He's seen it all. He knew what it was like to be loved and to lose love. He knew what it was like to give birth to a child and watch that child die. He knew what it was like to have sons and be proud of them and then deal with the pain of betrayal and murder and death. He dealt with it all. But here's the thing I want us to understand. At the end of his life, two things he could say, I once was young. And now I am old. But I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor my children, nor my seed begging bread. And at the end of his life, even into the New Testament, even in the midst of his failures, even in the midst of his sin, even in the midst of his loss, even in the midst of his mistakes, even in the midst of his family drama, it would still be said of him that he was a man after God's own heart. So we, in these weeks, we're going to learn to deal with the seasons of life in such a way that we can say, I once was young, <laughs> but now I'm old. And I've seen tears, and I've seen heartache, and I've seen joy, and I've seen happiness, and I've seen fear. But what I've never seen is the righteous forsaken. Yeah, I've seen the righteous cry, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've even seen the righteous broke, but I still ain't seen the righteous forsaken. Nor even the children of the righteous. Ha! Huh, you'll see. Begging bread. We're going to live through the seasons of life in such a way that God can look at you now and he's going to say, there's a girl. There's a woman. That woman right there, that man, that's a man after my own heart. So that, that, that's the end result of these weeks. That we learn to live through the seasons of life. So there are five what I call prophetic seasons of David's life. And each of those seasons are, are, are very interestingly tied to the city of where they began to take place. And so the first season that we're going to look at this week and then I'm going to sit down is the Bethlehem season. The first season is the Bethlehem season. And, and, and what really tells the story of that season is David's faithfulness in the small stuff. His Bethlehem season, it's his faithfulness in, in, in the small stuff, in the small things. See, we like King David. Before there was King David, there was Shepherd David. And, and that's where his story begins in the small town of Bethlehem. Now, now, here's the thing. He was 
the youngest of a whole bunch of boys. He had me and Pastor Perry beat. He was he was the youngest, and and in that culture, there was a, a hierarchy. We even see that in in, in the story of of of, of uh, Jacob and Esau. There is a hierarchy in the family. We see it even today in, in, in if you follow the royal family across the pond, that the firstborn is considered the, the prize child. And the lower it goes, the, the lower your, <laughs> you, you get. Okay? You know, we prayerfully, we, that's not our, our situation. I love my oldest as much as I love my youngest. But, but in this time, there was, there was a hierarchy. And so the oldest son was always considered the son of the, the promise, the son of the inheritance. And so even though each son was a beneficiary, the more sons, the lower you got on the totem pole. So by the time David came along, it wasn't too much, it wasn't too much left. He was number eight. There wasn't a lot left. And so David's family's history teaches us was of modest means. And so when you're not of modest means, you have servants and you have people to tend to this stuff. When you're of modest means, you get the jobs done within your family. You know, everybody can't afford a housekeeper. That's where your children come in. You, you understand? You, you got laundry, you got trash, you pick up the, that's, that's because everybody had a, had a responsibility, had a job. Well, by, because David was the youngest. He had the, y'all know what we do. He had the, the worst job. He had the, he had the worst job. And, and that job was shepherding his father's sheep. Now, I know when we see images of a shepherd, we, we got this image of them laying on a hillside. And the sheep just grazing and they have a piece of hay in their teeth and they're laid back and, 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 and relaxed, and, but that's not the life of a shepherd. It was a grueling life. It was a, it was a hard life. It was a, a, a life filled with menial tasks. And, and it also brings us to the first uh, point that I want us to understand in your Bethlehem season. It's a season of isolation. Your Bethlehem season is a season of isolation. When, when David was tending to his sheep, there was just him and the sheep. There was no companion for him. There was no friends around. There was no music other than the songs in his own heart. There was no busyness. There was, there was, there was nothing but him and the sheep. Now, here's the thing about isolation. If some of us have never understood isolation, this pandemic season has taught us the feeling of isolation. That even when some of us who may live alone or we're single or we don't, our children are grown and gone, as they say. Even just the the the, the going out to the, the park or going to the grocery store, just to 
to have all of that was taken away. And even when we would go out, you weren't allowed to be near anyone for your own safety. And isolation began to, to, to set in. In your, in your Bethlehem season, you're in a season of isolation. And the Bible does not celebrate isolation. It tells us the exact opposite. It says, do not forsake the fellowshipping together. The Bible tells us the danger of isolation. When you isolate yourself, you drive your own self crazy. You know why? Because it's just you and your thoughts. No one to, to bounce them off of. And, and the enemy can, can, can set in and begin to discourage you. A lot of us have dealt with depression during this pandemic because of our isolation. Because sometimes you can be feeling some kind of way. And all you need to do is run into somebody. And you know how somebody's presence can change your whole atmosphere, your demeanor? Even though you don't like your job, you had somebody at your job that you could talk to, that you could laugh with, that just kind of made you forget about. But all of that was taken away, and you feel isolated. That's your Bethlehem season. And, and here's what's even harder about the Bethlehem season. You can be around 100 people and still feel isolated. You can be in the same house with people and still feel isolated in your Bethlehem season. And, and, and that's, but it's a season. And that's what we have to understand. So, so what do we do? You got to be careful during isolation. And, and this is the time. Remember, I told you every season is a good season. Even the hard season is going to be a good season. It's in this Bethlehem season of isolation. God said, you've never really just been you and the sheep. It's never really just been you in your house. It's never really just been you by yourself. He said, I am very present. And I'm a very present help in the time of isolation. So God is saying, use this time when you feel alone. Use this time where you feel like no one hears you, no one gets you, no one sees you to get in touch with the God who created you. I say that because if it's just you and yourself, you will, I'm a living witness, drive you crazy. But this is the time, those quiet mornings that seem so deafening, this is the time to say, God, I need to hear you. God, I need you to speak to me. Without the clatter, without the noise, without the busyness, God, speak to my heart. God, what is it that you want to do with me in the quietness of this season? What do you want to do with me since my prayers for companionship have not been answered? God, what is it that you need me to hear, need me to see, need me to do? Take that isolation in this Bethlehem season and let God use you. Let God speak to you. Let God deliver you from things that have been settled in your heart for so long. Yes, it's not a place you want to stay, but since you're there, let God get the glory out. That's the Bethlehem season. Isolation. But then the next part of that season of isolation is preparation. In this season of being faithful in small things, God is preparing you. We're going to turn to another trip scripture real quick. You don't have to turn there, but if you want to, it's 1 Samuel 17. I'm going to turn there real quick. See, we know the story of David well enough to know that there was a time 
that he stood before a giant. And, and, and right before he stood before the, <laughs> that giant, they looked at him and said, you got, you got to be, you got to be kidding me. You little strong, scrawny little thing that you are. What, what, what are you doing? What are you doing here? But, but, but David, on that field of battle, he realized that in that lonely Bethlehem season, God had been preparing him for this moment. I'm going to say that again. In the loneliness and isolation of your Bethlehem season, God has been preparing you for greatness. I said in the loneliness and isolation of your Bethlehem season, God has been preparing you for greatness. And sometimes you don't even realize he's been preparing you until that moment is right in front of you. See, understand this. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me explain something to you. David didn't go to the battlefield to fight a giant. David went to the battlefield being obedient to his father to take his brothers some lunch. Remember what I told you Bethlehem was about? It was about faithfulness in the. And the reason some of us can't ever get out of Bethlehem, because we won't be faithful in the small things. I am too big and I'm too bad to be taking them lunch. I got other stuff to do. But God said, if you be faithful in the small stuff, some of us will die in Bethlehem because we complain about the small stuff. We won't be faithful in the small stuff. We've been saved too long to do the small stuff. We're too anointed to do the small stuff. But it was in David doing the small thing that God began to set him on the path to greatness. He wasn't going to fight a giant. He was doing a, he was a Uber Eats. That's all he was doing. He had a part-time job. He had to leave his full-time job taking care of the sheep. Do the part-time job and de- deliver lunch. But it's in your obedience. Oh, somebody needs to hear that. In the small things that God has set him up for a destiny shift. And so he gets there. And he sees his brothers and all of these men and all this armor and all this gear shuddering in fear and he looks around y'all know how little the youngest is what, 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 he, what, what's going on what, what's wrong why y'all scared and they began to explain to David the story of what's going on and he he's like I, I, I'll fight him <laughs> I, I'll do it and, and, and they're like, man, you need to go back to the house and take care of them little sheep at the house. You, this this man's business. And then even at that moment, David may have felt some kind of way, but the Lord brought something back to his remembrance. But David said to Saul, chapter 17, verse 34, your servant, I used to keep sheep for my father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard. I struck him and I killed him. 
Your servant has struck down both lions and bears. Now, this is the part. This is the part right here. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. It, 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 was, it was a revelation that the, the lion and the bear wasn't about the lion and the bear. The lion and the bear was about God setting him up for greatness. He had, to have, he had to have an understanding that even though he thought that his battle was against the lion and the bear, he said, no, it was a setup for something greater. We have to understand these battles that we're fighting now, don't let them undo you. Don't let these lions and battles and these lions and bears and tigers, oh my, don't let them undo you. Don't let the people who criticize your every move undo you. Don't let people who don't think you should be where God has called you to be undo you. Don't let the people undo you because God said as you handle them, all I'm doing is setting you up for something greater. But see, here's the thing. We can't lose our our, our, our patience and our will fighting the lions and tigers and bears. You got to fight the lions and tigers and bears so you can get to your destiny. Everything that God has allowed. Now, here's the thing. This is where we get stuck. Isn't God big enough to keep the lions, bears, and tigers away? If I'm doing what God has called me to do, being obedient to what God has called me to do, can't he keep the lions, tigers, and bears away? He said I could, but one day you're going to have to fight something bigger than a lion, a tiger, and a bear. And I'm training you in the lions and the tigers and the bears and the complainers and the, the troublemakers so that when you get to that place of destiny, hey, when you get to that place of destiny, you can be little. You may not look the way they think you should look. You may not be as attractive as they think you should be. You may not have the right car, the right money, the right faith. But when you get to that point, when you realize what God has already done, you can stand up in Holy Ghost power like David did. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? You talking about your skin? Of an uncircumcised, not part of the promise, not part of the covenant, not part of God's chosen. Y'all scared of an uncircumcised, unchosen Philistine? He, I'll fight him. He said, if I ain't got nothing else, I got the promise and covenant of God. And you know what? Can I tell y'all something, saints? Sometimes that's more than enough. I may not have the experience. I may not have the training. I may not have the knowledge. But what I do have is a covenant with the king. Everything. Hey, everything. Ooh, I thought God had forgotten. I thought God. No, 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 no. Everything. Everything that you're going through right now is just preparation. Preparation, preparation, preparation. Your, un, your, your hateful boss is preparation. How is my hateful boss preparation? Because see, one day you're going to be the boss. And you're going to know how not to treat people. I said, let me, I'm just saying, sometimes God allows you to see things and to experience things so that when your time comes, you won't do what they did to you. It's not so that you can treat somebody like they treated you. No, I remember how it made me feel. So I'm going to be good God sure that I don't do to somebody else what was done to me. God said even the hard times are preparation for where I'm taking you. I'm preparing you. I haven't forgotten. Yeah, I could make your boss nice, but then you wouldn't be prepared. 
can give you perfect little children, but then you wouldn't be prepared. You get what I'm saying? He said, do you get what I'm saying? So you think that God is not hearing your prayers. What he's doing is answering your prayers, and he's preparing you for where you're trying your best to get to. Preparation. Preparation. That's the Bethlehem season. That's your, so now that you think, oh, wait, no, my Lord, it's my, see, yep, it's your season. It's just your Bethlehem season. It's your faithfulness in small things. I got a master's degree, and you asking me to go change the coffee filter? I have a, I, I, I went to school here, and you, just be faithful. In, in, the, in, the, in the small things. My brothers treat me like garbage, and I'm going to go take them some lunch. But because my father asked me to, yes, I am. You get that? Because my, my father asked me to. You can't worry about how people have done and what they do. If God tells you, if your daddy gives you some instructions, I, I guarantee you, you best follow them. It's your Bethlehem season. Be faithful in the, in the small things. So one, we, in this season, we deal with isolation. But in the isolation, we need to hear God. In this season, we, 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 it's a season of, of preparation. And, and, and even though those things that come we think are to undo us, and, and to, no, it's just preparing you for, for bigger battles. That if you win these, God will, it gives you confidence when, when the Goliath comes. And the, and, and the fine thing, and this is the last thing, and then I'm done. It's the season of the awakening. It's the awakening. Let, 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 me, let me explain something again. When, when you're isolated and you're the shepherd and you're the lowest of the low, when you're the entry level, it's, it's sometimes hard to see that there's something more. But something happens to David in Bethlehem that awakens him to the reality that there's something more. Do you mind if I just tell the story instead of turning to the scripture? You can look it up later so you know I didn't make it up. But David, family, his, his father Jesse got a visit. Now, understand this. Saul had been king and Saul had messed up royally. If there was ever a royal mess up, it was, it was, it was Saul. One of the things that I say this as a side note, I will never forget when I was studying Saul, it said, the Bible says, and, and, and the Lord regretted that he had ever made Saul king. And I remember reading that as a, as a young woman, Pastor T.L., and I said, God, may it never be said of me. I'm not saying I'm going to live a perfect life, but God, may it never be said of me that you regret the anointing that you've placed on my life. Can you imagine? I regret I ever made him king. But that's what he said of Saul. He said, I'm, I'm over him. And, and Samuel, the prophet who had anointed Saul, was so heartbroken because he loved Saul. He said, but you, sometimes he's like, you got to get over it. I have already chosen another. He said, I've already chosen another. 
And, 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 and so Samuel had to, to shake his holy self together because, again, he's under the instructions of the father. You love, it's time to move on. He said, I've already chosen another. And he said, I need you to go to the house of Jesse. He said, it's among his sons that I've chosen the next king of Israel. So he gets to the house of Jesse. Now, y'all got to understand who Samuel is. Everybody knows him. Okay? Everybody knows Samuel. Now, there's all sorts of prophets, but it's, it's everybody knows Samuel. Okay? It's like if, 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 if I said T.D. Jakes was coming, everybody know who T.D. Jakes is. Everybody knew who Samuel was. Now, Samuel, they knew Samuel was coming to their house. And, and so, so, so Jesse, Samuel's coming. Can you imagine Samuel's coming to the house? So it must be something important. So Samuel gets all of his sons lined up. Because that's what he did. Get them ready, get them ready, get them ready. I'm coming. Samuel's coming. And, and God said it's among the, the sons of Jesse, that the, the, the next king. So Samuel goes to the oldest the son of promise, the, the, the heir, the direct descendant. That ain't the one. Nope. Puts his oil. Nope. You know, that's why Samuel's like, what's going on? And then he gets to, to the last son. And he says, he said, hey, Jesse. You holding out on me? He said, you got any, you got any more sons? Because I know God sent me here. And I also know when God is going to tell me that this is who he is. And God ain't said nothing yet. He said, you got any, you got any more sons? And Jesse says, only. Just, in other words, nobody you need to be worried about. It's just my, my youngest, David. He out there with the sheep, taking care of the flock, smelling lonely. That's all. It can't, that's all. I, he said, that's, that's who I need you to go get. That, that the one that everybody has discarded, discounted, ain't no way. That's who God uses. <laughs> he said, can you go get him for me? Can, can you go get him for me? Can you imagine the look on his brother's faces? And he gets him and, and, and he holds a flask over him and the oil starts to, to spill. I, can't, I, can't, I, I wish I could go, but just to see what that, to see. Can you imagine how David felt? He didn't have time to wash up, clean up. He came with the, the dirt and the filth and the smell of the sheep on him. But God said, you're still the one I've chosen. See, let me explain something to you about how God chooses people. You can come with the, the, the stench of sin, the, the stench of this world, the stench of your mistakes, the stench of everything that has troubled you and bothered you and laid you down. But when God has a call on your life, God has a call on your life. And there is no man, there is no institution that can keep God from doing what he's going to do in your life. I don't care what they thought about David. It's what God saw in David. David. He's the one. 
So David probably for the first time. He said. There was an awakening. God has a purpose for my life. My destiny is not to be stuck for the rest of my life taking care of sheep. You mean God has a plan for little old me? God is going to do something great in me? There is an awakening in your Bethlehem season. That God said even in spite of where you are, there is destiny on your life. There is a calling on your life. There is a plan for your life. That's the awakening of the Bethlehem season. But wait, don't get excited yet. Guess what happened after he got anointed? I'm going to have to pause on this one. He done had the biggest moment of his life. He's been anointed the next king of Israel, of God's chosen covenant people. And guess where he goes after his big anointment ceremony? Back to the field to finish taking care of them little sheep. This is what I want us to understand about this Bethlehem season. You don't get from Bethlehem to Zion overnight. There's some stuff in this Bethlehem season that you're going to have to go through. There are some valleys that you're going to have to live through. There's some tears that you're going to have to cry in your Bethlehem season. He knew he was king and he still had to take care of sheep. He knew he was king, and he still had to deal with the taunting and teasing of his brothers. He knew that God had called him for greatness, and he still had to be faithful in the small stuff. Understand that when he took them that lunch, he already knew he was the next king, and yet he was still on an errand. Even when you know that God has a call on your life, you can't keep acting, you can't start acting like you're the king. Just because you know that's your call, you're still a shepherd right now. And God said, I don't need you to be puffy in what I've called you to do. This is the season where you don't find peace in your calling. Understand this, get me, in Bethlehem, you don't find victory in your calling. You don't find victory in your anointing. You don't find victory in your destiny. Your victory is in knowing that God sees you and knows you and has a relationship with you. Because it would be another 20 years, y'all. It would be another 20 years from the time God said, you're going to be the king, till he finally sat on the throne. And you can't be in no sheep, shepherd field, acting like you the king of Israel. Because there were still sheep that had to be cared for. But, but it was just his Bethlehem season. But, but even though it was a hard season, he rested in the awakening of knowing God got a plan for my life. Can we be encouraged in that today, saints of God? I, I wish I could stand here this morning and tell you it's your Zion season. But for some of us, it's just Bethlehem. It's, it's, it's to be faithful in the small stuff. 
It's to be faithful over the little things. It's to find your identity and who you are in Christ, not in your calling. Why did he have to find his identity in, in who he was? Because it would be years before he would carry that title of king. It's your season. It's your season, saints. It may not be one of power and prosperity yet, but it's your season. And there's so much we can learn from Bethlehem. In these moments of isolation, hear God. Tune into his frequency. In your Bethlehem season, everything, everything, everything that God allows. If you really believe he's sovereign, if you really believe he's sovereign, if you really believe he's a good daddy, in this Bethlehem season, everything that he allows is preparation for your destiny. In this Bethlehem season, you get to lift your head up. There's a great awakening. for little old me. God got a plan for little old shepherd boy. God got a plan for me. God got a plan. They don't know my name. They don't know my story. But God's got a plan for my life. But I can't Rejoice in the victory of Zion. I just got to be faithful in this Bethlehem season. Faithful in the small stuff. So when greater comes, I represent his name well. It's your season. Father God, we thank you for Bethlehem. Because it was another king that got his start in Bethlehem. <laughs> he started and had to be faithful over the small stuff too. He had to be a, a faithful son of a carpenter in Bethlehem. But he also rose to great things. And so God... As many of us are in this Bethlehem season. Help us to be faithful, God. Help us to be consistent, Lord God. So that we can fulfill the calling, the promise, the destiny that you have on our life. It's, it's your season. It's your season. So God, I thank you for this season. I thank you for all that I will learn in this season. I thank you for how I will grow in this season. And God, I pray, this is my prayer. That as I endure this season, 
that you will be able to look at me and say, there's a woman that's after my own heart. That no matter how many tears I shared in this season, that you'll be able to look and say, there's a man that's after my own heart. And when the days have turned into months and the months into years and this season has come and this season has gone and the next has come and the next is gone, God, at the end of my days, I will declare you faithful. That when I was in Bethlehem, you were faithful. And in Zion, you're still faithful. That I once was young, but now I am, I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor is seed begging bread. God, we thank you, and we bless you, in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. If you would like to know more about Triumphant Church, visit us at thetriumphantchurch.org or you can contact us at 301-559-2200.